You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Oh, what a difference a day makes. Just 23, 24 hours ago, I was sitting here on the broadcast telling you all about the dire straits I was in when it came to my lack of of full-length YouTube uploads, and lo and behold... I have finally been granted the full-length uploads, so anyone who has been to youtube.com slash Report in the last several hours will note that I am busily uploading like a maniac, trying to upload some of the recent Corbett Report radio and Corbett Report podcast episodes, since I can now take advantage of this full-length upload. So to all of you out there on YouTube who have never actually bothered to go to CorbettReport.com to check out my other work, welcome to the Corbett Report radio broadcast. Of course, you can listen live live weeknights at 9 p.m. Central on republicbroadcasting.org. But uh, for all the rest of you, thank you once again for joining me tonight for an interesting episode of the podcast, uh, the broadcast, I should say. I get my casts confused sometimes. Uh, Tonight, I want to take a look at an issue that I think is extremely important, but I think is... Well, I don't want to say not covered in the alternative media, but I would say undercovered, because I think it is self-evident to most of the listeners out there, most of the listeners to this radio network, most of my uh, the people in my audience, most of the people out there who have any degree of knowledge about the alternative media and what's really happening in the world, as opposed to what we're being force-fed by the mainstream media, I think it is imper- apparent to all that we are heading towards financial collapse. And this is something that we talk about and we go over in great detail and we document and we uh, we examine the various aspects of what the big global players are doing, the IMFs and the Bernankes and the BIS and all of these big global players with their big strategies for quantitative easing. We look a lot at this macroeconomics and this big financial picture, but we don't look nearly often enough at the solutions that are right there in front of our face. Not necessarily solutions that will turn around the global economy. I think that's out of your and my hands. I think that's something that is being engineered right now. We are being engineered into a collapse that will serve the purpose of the globalists to allow them the uh, the extra room that they need in order to bring about the system of control that they want, the overall system of complete control in the cashless society, in the one world currency control grid, from which no one will have any escape. So the only possible solution is to get ourselves off of that system in every and any way possible. And this is something that I keep going back to time and time again, but that's because, again, I don't see it reflected enough in the media out there. We are all aware of the many, many, many problems. We need to be more up to speed on what the solutions are to these problems because they're not rocket science. It doesn't take a genius to figure out some of these steps that we can do to get ourselves off the system and to stop feeding the beast. And uh, there's something that that we can start implementing today. It's a question of, again, of baby steps. We don't have to do it all at once. We don't have to save the world single-handedly, but we can start by saving ourselves and our family and starting to, uh, to get prepared for whatever is coming. Because again, even if the big economic collapse doesn't occur, and although it, I think it's at this point a mathematical certainty, but even if somehow they manage to reform the whole economic system and everything goes along tickety-boo, what does it hurt you to be prepared for any eventuality anyways? What does it hurt you to detach yourself from the system of global multinational corporate control? What does it hurt you to be prepared. 
Well, it doesn't hurt you at all, obviously. So tonight we're going to talk about some of these ideas, some of these things that you can do to implement in your own life. But I don't want to sit here just talking to myself for an hour, and I imagine you probably don't want to just hear me droning on talking to myself for an hour. So let's open up the phone lines right off the bat. 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. What are your ideas? What are your solutions? What do you think that we can do, and what steps are you personally taking to help get us off of this financial collapse uh, system that we've been engineered into. What can we do to put the brakes on this, or at the very least to be prepared for when the global economy falls over the cliff? Well, a lot to bite off and chew, but uh, nothing new there. That's what the corporate report is known for. So uh, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking about the global collapse and what you can do to prepare yourself. All right, friends, welcome back. Here we are on Corbett Report Radio. It is the 10th of October 2012 out there stateside. It is the 11th of October 2012 for me across the dateline in Japan. We are live here on this worldwide radio transmission against tyranny on Republic Broadcasting. And tonight I am going to talk about a subject that is, well, I think important to all of us. Uh, let's not beat around the bush. Everyone who's listening right now has some stake in what's going on in the global economy right now and the precipice that we are edging toward and everybody has uh, a stake in finding the solutions finding the way out of this mess and as i say i don't think that we're going to be able to uh, to turn around the global economy single-handedly or there's going to be some he-man that will come along and do it all for us I think those are pie-in-the-sky examples of wishful thinking that will only lead to pain and suffering in the long term. I think it's only a question of what we can do to take into our own hands our own economic future and our own financial livelihoods. And it's not, a, uh, it's not an easy task, it's not a happy task, but it's one that we have to put ourselves towards, put our minds to, and start thinking about it now before it's too late. People often, and in fact it's probably part of human nature, tend to put off preparations and getting things ready until such time as it becomes apparent that they need them. Well, by then it's too late. So if you're not using this lull, this this, uh, calm in the center of the economic storm to get prepared, then you are losing time and you are losing ground. So tonight we're going to talk about some things that people can be doing, and I have some ideas of my own, but of course I'm just one person out there just trying to, uh, to talk about what I can. I'm interested in your ideas. Let's do some brainstorming here on air and let's get some of these ideas out in the open. What do you do to prepare for your own financial livelihood? What are you doing to prepare for your future? How do you think that uh, we can help to uh, to create an alternative ec- economic um, system that will hopefully survive whatever cr- engineered crash they have us coming towards? Well, let's start getting into some of my... I- oh, sorry, I should give out the phone number. Once again, it's 1-800-313-9443. That's one 1- 800-313-9443. We will get you up and on the air with your opinions, comments, questions, criticisms, or complaints. But let's turn to some of my ideas. What do I think are some things that will truly make a difference? Well, I think it goes back to, uh, for all of those uh, listeners out there listening stateside right now, I think it goes back to some of the most basic precepts of Americana and what can be more American than baseball and apple pie and boycotts? That's right, friends. Let's cast our minds back to one of the foundational events of the United States uh, of America, the Republic. 
that uh, that came into being uh, there in the 1770s, well, it didn't just spring fully formed out of the uh, the head of Zeus. It came out of some very specific events, and one of those key foundational events, of course, was the Boston Tea Party. And what was the Boston Tea Party at base other than a form of economic boycott? protesting against the Tea Act of 1767, which was seeking to impose uh, taxes and levies on teas being shipped into the states. The uh, the people in America didn't find that very, uh, didn't think that was a very good idea, given that uh, they had no representation in Britain, so why on earth were they being taxed by Britain? And it started the rebellion, and of course the Tea Party is one of the most famous examples of a uh, economic boycott in history. It's a, It's a very bold move. It's very, uh, it makes a big point, and uh, it certainly has resonated throughout the centuries and still continues to resonate with us today. So let's not forget that the uh, boycott, the power of the boycott is extremely strong, and it has uh, really, truly been used to take down giant empires in the past. So we should be aware of the power of this, this economic vehicle that we have in our hands. And there is the tendency to think of a boycott as this big societal thing, and if everyone doesn't do it, then it's, there's no point in doing it. Well, I think it comes down to the underlying ethics of the thing in question. And when we're talking about the absolutely, completely, unquestionably unethical nature of the society that we're living in, I think we have to understand that whatever we can do to take ourselves out of that equation, we have to do. We have the moral obligation to do so. So I think we have to stop feeding this multinational corporate beast that's tied into the Wall Street-Washington nexus that is at the base of this international financial order. Uh, I think we have to combat that by taking ourselves out and stop feeding it, stop giving it our money, stop giving them all of our business, because truly they are feasting on us like the robots in the Matrix feasting on human humanity like so many batteries. And, uh, and honestly, truly, we can make a difference through simply stopping buying their crap. And some examples of that from history. Well, again, we've got the Boston Tea Party, and that is not often looked at or examined or talked about in, uh, in mainstream economic circles these days. Why would it be? But oddly enough, it was actually brought up in a CNN article recently, of all things, called uh, Do Economic Boycotts Work? This was just posted up yesterday on CNN um, by business producer Kevin Voigt. And he has an interesting write-up on the China-Japanese island spat that's taken place in recent weeks here. And as you might remember, they're, they're feuding over some islands in the East China Sea. And basically, the uh, Chinese protests, anti-Japanese protests, were getting quite violent and quite... Uh, well, quite out of hand for a while there, and uh, all Japanese cars in certain areas were being overturned and lit on fire and all sorts of things like that. And in the wake of that, we saw that in September, the uh, year-on-year sales for Toyota uh, cars in China fell 40%. Uh, Mazda and Nissan also experiencing huge losses in their Chinese market. Understandably so. The Chinese have uh, decided that the Japanese are the most evil people on earth. They don't want anything to do with them. So what do they do? They stop buying their goods. Well, two and two makes four. It doesn't take a genius to figure out how to hurt a country economically when all you have to do is, when all you have at your disposal is your own money, your own 
choice of what you consume and what you don't consume. Well, simply refusing to volunteer to give your money and give your resources to uh, someone you perceive as the enemy, um, well, that's that's one way of uh, achieving a true economic blow. And it's uh, it's something that, that he talks about at some length in this uh, article, and he goes on to talk about a 2011 study that you can read. It's actually linked up here in this article, which, of course, I'll put in the show notes for tonight's episode. And in this 2011 study, the, they found that uh, the higher the perceived status of the company, the more likely a boycott will be effective. And the main driver of this is the duration of the media attention received. Wow, this is uh, this is a little complicated. It's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one plus one equals three. But I'm sure you guys can out there can handle this. But absolutely, if the if there's a big company that everyone is supporting, they are more likely to be affected by a, a boycott than than a little company. That makes sense. They have a bigger market share. They have more to lose. But it's also true that media drives the the agenda. Media makes people think about certain things and not think about certain other things. And if they can be made to concentrate, for example, in the Chinese example on the Japanese population and what Japan is doing to these islands in the East China Sea that no one lives on and no one cares about, but anyway, uh, if if they can drive that and make that the number one agenda issue, then people will get upset and people will start boycotting Japanese goods or what have you. So it works like this. The media tells people what to think and people go out there and think and do it. Well, hopefully, if there is any chance for us to get out of this system of control, it will come from the bottom up and it will come from people tuning out of the media and stopping letting them set the agenda. And if there is an agenda to be set, well, it should be an open conversation taking place on the internet and in alternative media forums and on Republic Broadcasting and other outlets like this where the public does have a say and there is a different uh, agenda at play. There's not an agenda for world domination. There's uh, just an open conversation about how best to, to proceed forward with our society. And that it truly is the uh, the way that we will start to overturn this system is by simply stopping buying their goods. And I know there are a lot of people out there lo- that like to poo-poo this idea and say that it's never effective and it can't work and, oh, it's just it's never going to happen. Well, first of all, it's a moral argument. It's not an argument from effect. It's not saying, oh, you have to boycott Coca-Cola or whatever company because if we stop buying their goods they're going to crash tomorrow. Hopefully in in a lot of cases if that's your aim that's what will happen in the long run but at, in the, at, at the end of the day in the final equation it's about your personal choice and your own decision to stop supporting these companies regardless of what people in your community are doing and people will respond to that when people step up with the conviction and with knowledge of what they're doing and why they're doing it and a case in point a perfect case example of that is what we saw taking place over the last several years with recombinant bovine growth hormone, RBGH, this hormone that they were feeding the dairy cows to make them produce even more milk, and which was ending up in the milk supply, and there was RBGH milk basically all over the store shelves several years ago, and lo and behold, 
some people decided to make a fuss about it and decided to start a campaign to make, uh, or not even a campaign to make companies label whether or not they have RBGH, but simply some companies decided it would be better for them if they started labeling their products as RBGH free because they found that people actually wanted food that didn't have these uh, ridiculous hormones in and synthetic hormones in them that was doing who knows what to uh, to ourselves and our children. So uh, so they start stopped buying them, and it had an effect. And now it is more difficult to find RBGH milk than not to find it, and most of the major retailers don't stock it at all. There's another example of this from CivilEats.com called The People Have the Power Yoplait Goes RBGH Free that goes into this and some of the history of this. I will link that up in the show notes. I hope you will take a look at that because, again, it's an important story. And if we don't learn from these examples, we will get trapped in the mindset of thinking there's nothing we can do to affect these big multinational mammoth companies. Well, there is. All we have to do is stop buying their crap. All right, let's take another short break once again. If anyone wants to get in, 1-800-313-9443. I'll be back right after this. One day in Manhattan, clear as could be, till the planes hit the All right, friends, welcome back. Here we are on Corporate Report Radio. Tonight we're talking about the economic solutions to the financial collapse that is coming and that we are all all too aware of and there are a lot of different ideas out there i'm still interested in your guys ideas are you interested in sharing them 1-800-313-9443 but let's uh, let's pick up from where we left off before the break there i was talking about boycotts and the power of the boycott to undermine this multinational corporate slave state control grid that we're being engineered into but let's look more specifically about how we can use this to not only get ourselves off of the system, but also to build up the alternative, the uh, build up our communities, build up what we want to survive at the end of the day after their engineered global financial collapse. And we can do that by taking a look, for example, at theguardian.co.uk. Uh, they had an article up just the, uh, the other day, How the Banking Crash Sparked a Credit Union Boom. And in this article, they're talking about uh, the Move Your Money campaign, which I'm sure some of you out there are probably familiar with, that started, I believe, started in the U.S. back in 2009, but uh, it has branched out to other countries. There's a Move Your Money UK campaign, and according to this article in The Guardian, over 500,000 people have joined credit unions, presumably in the U.K., in this year alone, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, considering that's uh, that's represents people five hundred thousand people in the UK, population sixty million, so adult pro- population probably somewhere in the thirty forty million range, and uh, and you have five hundred thousand people deciding to take their money out of the big banks and put them into credit unions. That's a pretty significant uh, trend, and let's only hope that that's continuing and growing. Because what is the difference? What is the point? Why is this a big thing? Well, here in the article it says, unlike big banks, credit unions don't engage in any form of casino finance. When you deposit money into a credit union account, it isn't invested anywhere or gambled in any way. The only time it is used by the credit union is when it is loaned to other account holders. And even then, it's guaranteed by an FSA scheme, in the UK obviously, meaning that it won't be lost if the loan repayments aren't met. 
Those who join credit unions are not customers, but members, like a cooperative. This allows their interests to be put first, and gives them a share of the profit at the end of the year in the form of a dividend. In credit unions, there are no shareholders demanding more money, no dodgy loans or credit cards, no millionaire CEOs, and no bonuses. And it goes on to talk about how this is not simply an economic matter, but also a social one, because, of course, the other side of that coin, literally that coin that you're uh, putting in the credit union, is the loans that they loan out into the local community to help build up local business. So it truly is win-win, and it certainly is a better alternative than putting your money in the big banks, which are now crying havoc over this cyber attack threat and all of your money is suddenly going to be wiped out in some big cyber banking terrorist false flag that supposedly comes from Iran, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, we know how that script plays out a little too well. And that means that another very concrete thing that we can do to stop that from happening is to put our money where our mouths are and to actually put them into something useful. Don't put your money in a big bank that's where it's just going to sit there and fund all of the, uh, the, the garbage that they're doing to the economy, the derivatives and all of the, the uh, casino economy that they're creating up as the uh, global gulag police state casino uh, economy takes over more and more of the real productive economy. Well, put that into the real productive economy. Put your savings into a credit union and help build up the local area. And, of course, what is the greatest example of this idea, of this meme? It is It's a Wonderful Life, uh, one of the classic movie, Frank Capra's classic uh, 1940, I don't know, I want to say 46, 47 movie. Um, uh, obviously, if you haven't seen it, uh, I suggest you do uh, go out and see it, but I'm sure everyone's seen it around Christmas time. And it's the idea of putting uh, putting the, old, the money into the old Bailey Savings and Loan and helping to build up an alternative to Potterville, the uh, evil community that's uh, that's just uh, cookie-cutter homes financed by the, the local multimillionaire who controls basically everything anyway and who gets everything he wants politically. Well, the, the way that the town is able to combat that, quite literally right there in that movie, if you watch it, it's by putting the money into the Bailey Savings and Loan and getting investment in the local community. And the idea is everyone comes together. Everyone shares in the profits and in the losses, and everyone everyone really is a community. They really do come together and uh, in, a, in a meaningful way. So it's an, it's an important analogy. I mean, it's a movie, but it's an important analogy for what's going on in a greater sense. And for people who are more interested in that, I did a podcast episode back in January of 2011 on that very topic using clips from It's a Wonderful Life to illustrate the point and what can be. And it's called The Coming Anastrophe. It's episode 170 of the Corporate Report podcast. And anastrophe is my neologism for the opposite of catastrophe, because they want to engineer us into a global financial catastrophe. The opposite of that is coming together, all of us, to uh, to find different ways of putting our money in ways that will actually help benefit the local community. So the credit union banking idea is not only a form of boycott, it's also a form of production actively taking our money and putting it somewhere useful. So it's a win-win both ways. All right, I have more solutions coming up after this. If you do as well, I'm all ears. 1-800-313-9443. Hello, is anyone out there? Talk to you in a bit. Introducing the Last Word DVD. 
For the first time on DVD, you can own all seven episodes from the first season of The Last Word video series, including The Last Word on Terrorism. You see, to Kissinger and the other adherents of the globalist ideology, terrorism is simply a word for any act that threatens the agenda of the globalists. The Last Word on CCTV. But there is something more fundamentally troubling about this entire CCTV surveillance grid than mere hucksterism. The last word on utopia. The most pernicious evil always presents itself as something necessary, something transitory, a mere waypoint on the road to the land of milk and honey. In this way, the masses can be led to not only tolerate the most intolerable conditions, but actually to support those who would seek to rule over them. And the last word on independence. It is a choice that we make each and every day to live in independence or in slavery. Every day is Independence Day. The last word DVD. Buy your copy today at CorbettReport.com. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, this is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we are talking about economic solutions to the economic collapse, what you can do to take your own financial fortunes into your own hands. And I have some more ideas coming up, but there are signs of life out there. We have listeners, so we have people who want to get in on the conversation. Again, the phone lines are open if you have your own ideas, 1-800-313-9443. But let's bring Skylar in South California into this conversation. Skylar, thanks for the call. Hey, James, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm pretty good. Um, unfortunately, I was listening out of the corner of my uh, corner of my attention, and I'm calling in on a wrong topic. But it is good to. I can't believe it was that easy to get on the air. <laughs> it's surprisingly easy. All you have to do is phone in. So anyone else out there, it's a lesson. What did you have on your mind tonight? Well, I was I was calling because I I was uh, uh, I was impressed by a, a, a podcast you did on the GMOs recently, where you were you went into the uh, the negatives of the uh, the, the legality, the, the Prop 37 that we're passing, hopefully passing in, in California, that there are not a whole, there are a couple of issues that are not all that, uh, uh, that are not optimal in the way that the, 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 the legalese is worded, um, but that it's largely a, a push in the, in the right direction, you know, letting people know about the concept. Gosh, I'm totally off the wrong topic, though. Well, uh, it actually relates quite well, because uh, just before I was talking about boycotts and things, and I was going to talk about the GMO idea, but I thought that might have strayed too far from the economics. But it's the same idea. Uh, once again, it's it's a question of people coming together to, to stop feeding the, the Monsanto and the, the, the companies that are literally engineering the destruction of our genome, of the planet itself. And uh, it's something that people are getting more serious about, and more people are waking up thanks to things like Prop 37, which I agree, I don't want to use the big stick of government as the solution, because they are self-evidently in bed with the big companies, and they're going to pass legislation that's at best watered down, and at worst actually has trapdoors in it. But at least it wakes people up to the real problems and the real solutions, which once again boils down to people taking it into their own hands. So I always refer people back to the non-GMO project, non-GMO project.org, so that you can find out for yourself. Why do you need a government to tell 
companies that they have to label these products, why don't you just look it up for yourself and uh, take, take at the very least your own family's uh, food into your own hands because that's the real solution, not waiting for government to come along and pass a law to do it. Yeah, even even on top of the uh, the non-GMO project, I, I I enjoyed the fact I buy some of the stuff that they that they uh, that they um, um, re, uh, re, oh, that they uh, that they have listed. They have listed that they uh, they uh, I guess they they certify it to a degree. But when they uh, they they just did a cheese, and I'm sort of a cheese head, even though I'm from California. They uh, the rennet that goes in the cheese, which is a type of it's it's the necessary enzyme to process the uh, the lactose in the cheese. Genetically uh, modified. Yeah, they just okayed the one. I mean, I heard it on your show not too long ago. A guy talking about their uh, all cheese has a genetically engineered thing in it, and I went, "Wait, really?" And I had just gotten on the whole, "Oh, I don't want to do." Uh, animal rennet, which means that you're supporting veal, but then I realized that this microbial rennet, which is the other version of it, it's completely GMO. GMO. Like, yeah. where do you find it? It's all GMO. And the, the non-GMO uh, thing, they just okay to cheese, and that cheese looks good, except for they use a, a vegetable one, which is probably also uh, GMO. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to look into that because I, I'm not a, familiar with that specifically, but absolutely, I think people have to be aware of these issues, and it goes to the heart of what is GMO. I mean, if something is made from an ingredient that was engineered by something that itself was GMO, does that make it a GMO product? I think so. I think there is that, that trace, but uh, but obviously there's ways around that, and those are the types of loopholes that they can fit into legislation and that they are fitting into Prop 37 with as many as 10 ingredients in, containing GMO. Uh, GMO products that allowed in through 5% of the net weight of your product up to 5% because yeah. it's 10, 10 things. 10 things, 0.5% each. each. Yeah. Exactly. So, so again, it's not a perfect solution, but uh, 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 hats off to you for looking into that. I'm going to have to look into that further, and I'm going to reach out to the non-GMO project to see if I can get them on the program to talk about what they're doing and uh, some of the, the rationale behind it. Well, that sounds good. Thanks, James. Thank you, Skylar. I appreciate the call. Well, I, again, I think this is part of a whole, and I think it is uh, it is part and parcel of what we're facing. The economic collapse, also the, uh, the genome engineering, all of this is really coming back to that idea of what we can take into our own hands, what we do ourselves. And if you're not uh, boycotting the beast, you're feeding the beast. So that's, that's on that boycott idea that we've been talking about. But let's move on to some other ideas. Again, there are... All sorts of ways of striking out against the system and waking other people up to the system, which is another important part of what we have to do, because there is a critical mass in society that once that critical mass is reached, there is no going back. And unfortunately, the powers that shouldn't be have been using their media monopoly in their favor for many, many decades, generations, really, to manipulate the the masses of the public into going along with their agenda. Our way of fighting back against that is trying to shake people loose of their pre-programmed thinking, and there are all sorts of ways to go about doing that. You don't have to be on on the radio. You don't have to have an, a website. You don't even have to, to really communicate with people through words. There are all sorts of other art forms and ways that people can be woken up to the system, and that can be extremely important in discrediting the moves of the banksters on this uh, global economic stage, because it is a stage. They are puppets in a theater, and uh, we have to understand that. And, and the best way to do that is 
mockery and and showing people for what they are. And someone who's been doing an excellent job of that is an artist, a graffiti artist named Mir One. That's M-E-A-R-O-N-E, Mir One. And I hope some of you will be familiar with his work now. His uh, videos have been getting a lot of views online, so hopefully you've seen some of these. If you haven't, I'll put in some video on the video version of this radio broadcast, once again available at CorbettReport.com a few hours after the broadcast airs. And I'll show some of the incredible work that Mir One has been doing, painting elaborate uh, paintings that, that really display what's what this economic system is, how it's engineered, how people are controlled, the types of uh, controls that people have placed on them. And even just watching the process of him putting together one of these pieces of art is just incredible. So I suggest you check that out. But uh, lo and behold, if you go out and speak out against this economic system, guess what they're going to label you? Uh, well, this comes from don't tread on me. Uh, me uh, and I'll put the link in, of course, in the show notes. LA artist Mirror One, anti-banking mural, allegedly labeled as Nazi anti-Semitic propaganda by London councillor. Well, surprise, surprise. It goes on to say that a mural depicting money-grabbing bankers will be removed following complaints that it resembles the anti-Semitic propaganda of Nazi Germany. The provocative painting has appeared on a wall in the predominantly Muslim area of Brick Lane in East London, once a thriving Jewish community. The mural by international graffiti artist Mir One shows mustachioed and hook-nosed bankers huddled around a monopoly board supported on the backs of the working class, seemingly drawn on long, outdated Jewish stereotypes. Blah, blah, blah. So, of course, anyone who is actually trying to expose any of the truth of the banking system is clearly anti-Semitic, right? And, uh, and we can't talk about the evils of the banking system, which truly is drawing its power from on the back of the average person out there, the average working person like you or I, who are actually trying to contribute something to this world. And uh, here we have these uh, leeches who are literally just sitting there uh, feasting off of the energies, the productive energies of the productive uh, economy and playing their games in their casino gambling economy. And, of course, if you speak out against it, they're going to find a way to try to label you as racist or sexist or whatever uh, slander they want to throw at people in order to deflect people from the basic truths that are revealed in this art. So once again, I will direct you to Mir One and his YouTube channel so you can go and check out some of his incredible work and uh, watch the, uh, the, the murals going up. It's always incredibly fascinating to watch. But it just goes to show that there are a lot of different ways to help spread the word and help spread understanding about what this system is about and uh, and whatever your talent is, I'm sure there's a way to use it for the benefit of the community and for the benefit of the real economy and to expose what is happening in the fake engineered economy. So let's move on to some more examples of things that we can positively point to as solutions in this global economy. One of them that I keep coming back to time and time again is alternative currencies, because who is the government to say what funny money pieces of paper count as the only legal tender? Well, of course, we can and should be building up alternative currencies that they can't come out and globally engineer their collapse from behind the scenes. We have to have a system in place that we can continue to facilitate exchange in the marketplace even after the collapse of all of these fiat monies that are being printed away into toilet paper. I'll get that out eventually. Well, here's another example, once again coming from the UK. Bristol banks on alternative pound to safeguard independent retailers. 
And it goes on to say, Dan, a busker who specializes in Beatles songs, peers with more than a little suspicion at the bright green note before slipping it into his breast pocket. Just on the off chance it'll work, he says. I'll try and swap it for a cup of tea later. It certainly will work as long as Dan finds one of the rapidly rising number of cafes, pubs, and restaurants that recognize the Bristol Pound, a local currency launched this week to support independent traders, engender civic pride, and perhaps nudge the ailing economy in this corner of southwest England in the right direction. More than 300 businesses, including butchers, bankers, solicitors, plumbers, electricians, bookstores, art galleries, a chimney sweep, supplier of firewood, even a pole dancing tutor, have signed up, making the Bristol Pound the largest local currency in the UK. The idea is simple, to encourage consumers to spend more of their money in the local independent shops that accept the 1, 5, 10, and 20 pound notes, and stop money leaking out of the area to faceless multinationals, unknown shareholders, or the discredited banking system. The scheme is creating a buzz, new businesses are joining every day, and consumers are queuing, lining up, to exchange their sterling pounds for the Bristol equivalent. The rate is a simple-to-understand one-to-one. Shops are planning discounts for customers who prefer the Bristol pound, and some businesses consider paying employees partly in the local currency. The city council has said it will accept Bristol pounds as payment for business rates. Now, here's the, th- the important point about this idea is that it sounds foreign to a lot of people out there, but chances are, wherever you are, there is some form of local currency, especially there in North America. I know there's a lot of different programs that are currently operational, and if you're not looking for them, you might not even know they exist. So I highly encourage people in whatever local area you're in to take a look into the local currency and how it can be used, and whether you can get on board with that. If you're a business owner, why not start accepting that and start facilitating the trade at the local level in a currency that isn't being manipulated by international banksters? Wow, imagine that idea. So it is something, again, that we can take into our own hands, and we don't have to wait for on high for the government to come along and and make changes and make everything better with the dollar, we can bypass all of that by finding a different way to exchange goods. And at the end of the day, that's all this funny pieces of paper are. It's just a way of facilitating exchange of goods. And if you can do that without recourse to the dollar, which is bought and paid for and printed into existence by the banksters, all the better. And that's got to be a solution that we have to look into. Again, a lot of these local currencies look pretty puny and uh, not very useful when you first start looking into them. But that is uh, that is uh, that is the, the the type of thing that we should be investing our time and energy into into building up those local currencies before we need them. Because if you wait until after the collapse, it may be too late. And that's something that the people of Greece are finding out right now as they are scrambling to set up their own alternative currency system because the euro uh, isn't quite cutting it for them there in Greece with all of the problems they have trying to get some of those elusive euros into their pockets. So, uh, So a lot to be said on that. We've talked about alternative currencies here on the program before. We will talk about them again in the future. But we have another caller on the line. We have John. John in San Diego. John, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your past work, and uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, I think about solutions all the time. I, um, you know, to me, the the answer is the awakening and critical mass. And it's a, just a, a we got to make it cool. Wake up and and be like harness. You know, harness all their negative energy and do a judo move and 
and use it against them, you know? I agree. Uh, I think they discredit themselves so much that uh, all we have to do is expose them. I know, them. And, and, and they seem like they're clamoring. I mean, they're, they're really, like, coming out, and, and, you know, the bully is here, you know, and the gun is in the room, like uh, Molyneux says. And, you know, uh, I, I see people, you know, struggling with their cognitive dissidence out there. And, you know, I have faith, but, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of effort. I hand out cards. I talk to everybody I know. I try to make it, like, engage them in their country, you know, engage them in life. You know, hey, you know, someone's attacking your currency right now. Did you know that? Did you know the game that they're using? I mean, it's an attack on you. And, you know, when you realize how deep it is, it's like you get insulted and you get like, like, I've got to, I've got to do something about this. I mean, these guys are like real and they're, they're, they're after us. Well, that's, that's the point, point. Wow. and my hat's off to you for helping to spread that word, and I think we have to just make that part of our daily existence, and I don't think we have to over-strategize it or overthink it, just make it part of who you are as a person, that you won't just sit there and listen while people are parroting whatever they heard on, you know, right-wing talk radio or whatever is the dominant social conversation in your area. I think you have to step in there and just give your two cents, and whatever that may be, and let the chips fall on the table where they may, and I think people will be surprised how many people resonate with that message when they start speaking up about it and not being shy about it. Yeah, you know, one of the ideas I came across was um, it was uh, during the Ron Paul campaign, there was, there was like a website that we hooked into with our phone, and the phone and the computer and the website handled the dialing of the phone. So you're just talking to people, and my idea would be to pick, you know, Either a, a, a just a, you're like your 9-11 thing that's like five minutes, you know, that's a good little seed that you could just plant, plant, plant. And if, if we in the truth community adopted, you know, uh, uh, this call campaign to maybe key individuals like maybe in, in the uh, media to badger them, are you guys serious, you know, and have, uh, I don't know, but we could... I don't know. Allow there's, there's a lot there's of ways of doing it. I, I agree. There's a lot the of ways of doing it, a lot of people that we can start to affect. But, again, we don't have to look to the media figures to, to say it for us. We can start saying it ourselves. Uh, John, we'll have to leave it there. We're coming up against the break. I do appreciate your call. Thank you for calling in tonight. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with more right after this. We bombed them all for their prosperity. All right, friends, welcome back. We are in the closing moments of tonight's edition of Corporate Report Radio, and we have been talking about solutions for the economic collapse, things that you can do to take your wealth and your prosperity and your future success into your own hands. And there's a lot of different things to say on this. We've only touched on a few of the points so far, but I am fleshing this out into a full editorial for the International Forecaster this weekend. And, of course, that's also uh, put out to my Corbett Report subscriber newsletter, newsletter subscribers at CorbettReport.com, so you can subscribe for more on that. 
And I do have some more to say about, uh, well, we've talked about, for example, what you can do with your liquid uh, savings, the things that you want to keep liquid. You can put them in credit unions. You can uh, start uh, or invest in local currencies, alternative currencies. But uh, what do you do with long-term savings? Well, obviously, precious metals will be most likely to survive whatever collapse is coming. So, um, again, that's something that people have to take into account. Lots of different things and strategies to talk about, but let's bring uh, uh, one more caller into this conversation. Tonight we have Bill in Idaho waiting patiently on the line. So, Bill, thanks for joining us tonight. Bless you. Thanks so very much for your broadcast and the information. I just wanted to mention that. Sincerely believe uh, excellent information is yourself, and I hope you repeat that last uh, uh, address uh, that uh, that gentleman mentioned on GMO. But as uh, Colonel Moore and so many others in the militia, the holy militia, uh, have mentioned more than once is that we have to be spiritually prepared. And to that end, I'd mention http colon forward slash forward hisholychurch.net forward slash. And it is a very excellent discussion on the principles and issues that you constantly uh, discuss with your guests as well. The moral and ethical relationship of ourselves with our brothers and sisters as well as the state. And it is so very important to understand and appreciate, apparently, like so many do not, uh, within the pews uh, uh, of the uh, silent uh, uh, church uh, presently is that ultimately you retain your government when you regain your church and your pulpit. And so I can't hardly recommend enough that you would have the opportunity possibly to get a program in, in regard to this discussion or somebody who is prepared to address the uh, moral and ethical issues that the church is not presently discussing, nor Mr. Romney, nor Mr. Uh, uh, Obama. And uh, the MidnightMessenger.com, MidnightMessenger.com covers a lot of those perspectives and kind of outlines who and where the enemy is worrying about uh, today in our entire lives. And I was wondering if there's a possibility you be able to get uh, King Johnny for president on sometime, King, King Johnny for president at hotmail.com. Uh, excellent broadcasters yourself, a uh, constant source of uh, real news and real information, and yet to the more um, dark side of uh, able danger and the uh, uh, dual uh, Zionazi agents that are actively involved in bringing this country down as Miss Hillary and her fine husband are doing presently. All right, I have absolutely no idea who that is, so I'll have to check into that, but, but maybe we'll be able to get him on the broadcast. But I do appreciate that input, Bill. There is a spiritual and ethical dimension to this that people have to be addressing. And uh, I was actually going to talk about an article called The Pursuit of Happiness. I'll just link it up in the show notes so you can read it for yourself, talking about this. What is this that we're supposedly pursuing? Why do we care about wealth and economics at all? So there are some big questions to be answered, and hopefully we'll continue to answer that here on the broadcast. But we're completely out of time, so thank you everyone for phoning in, and thank you all out there for listening. I'll be back in 23 hours.